Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Wrestling Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. You know, this year we have begun this sermon series really with walking with a father. And in that time, we just said, you know, we want to have a good year. And it's not going to be out of what we do, but out of God's plan for us. And we just want to say yes to God. And that is his plan for us, his plan of shalom, and that encourages, that empowers, that says yes to his peace, that says all of our life, that peace that comes from our whole being, our family, our finances, our relationship, all whole, that brings about peace. There's abundance, life abundantly. And we just want to say yes to God. So that was kind of the leading into the sphere of uh, the series. And we looked at in the past several weeks how it comes from partnering with the Father. It's partnership. Partnership looks like even though you are self-sufficient, even though you are independent, even though you are fully talented and fully capable to live independently, you choose to be interdependent with the Father. That's partnership. It's choosing to rely on our Father who says, I'm here. And we ask, Lord, left or right, where do you want me? How can I serve? How can I How am I to live? And and some of that looks like where God invites us to partner in some of our actions. And last week we looked at, it can look like sowing and reaping. How we sow, what we sow into, reaps in relationally to how we sow and what we sow. Okay, So God invites us, he wants to bless us, but he gives a means, a bridge. What are you going to do that you will reap? What are you going to sow into the kingdom that you will reap? You guys understand? There is our involvement in that partnership. It's not a passive, God, you do your thing and I'll just go on for the ride. No, he says, get on the boat. Then you can go for the ride. There is a step of faith where we, he is requiring us to move forward in. That partnership can look many different ways. But I believe that it is in partnering where we say yes and we are involved in that relationally where he uses that to bless us. We want to bless life. We say yes to him. We want everything that he has to offer. But it is we have to embrace God's mission in order to receive his blessings. It doesn't happen passively. It doesn't happen from sitting on the couch. It happens from embracing God's mission. It is partnering in his God's mission. So the question is, what is his mission? What is his mission for you, for the church? What does that look like? And I'm going to look at a very, very high level of God's mission, okay? But when we say yes to him, when we embrace his mission, the blessings flow, okay? So our scripture comes from John 13, John 13, 1 through 7. I'm going to read uh, for you, and I'm going to have it for you uh, overhead, but it's always good to 
do it from your own Bible so you can highlight and make your notes. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God, come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper, he laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel tied around his waist, then he poured water into a basin. He began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. I want you to get this picture. Jesus, before he washed their feet, he said, what I am doing, you do not understand, but you will. What I'm about to do, you're not going to get it, but you will. Future. What is it about the washing of the feet that they did not understand? Is that, did they never see washing feet before? No. They were very aware of what washing of the feet was. But here is, you know, maybe for some of you guys in this Western context where we don't exactly wash other people's feet, let me give you a little backdrop. Back in the ancient times, people wore sandals, no socks. I don't even know, I don't even understand people who wore like Birkenstock sandals with socks. Never got that. But you wear sandals to be open toe, okay? All right. You got to feel the wind in sandals. But ancient people, they walked everywhere on sandals. It was only the wealthy who had got uh, a donkey to ride in. And that's actually a royalty animal. Military people had horses. There were tanks. Most commoners, most people walked everywhere. So if you can imagine, you're invited to dinner, you're traveling all day, walking, and by the time you arrive into whatever your destination, your feet are dirty. Now, I know in Da Vinci's uh, The Last Supper painting that we all are, are familiar with, that's kind of the image we have when we think about the Last Supper or the Passover meal that people had. And that's probably the most inaccurate picture ever, right? First of all, no one's going to be sitting around at, like all in one side facing an audience, like, you don't eat, have a dinner, everybody's sitting on one side. Probably going to be a circle. They're facing each other. And they're probably not sitting at a table. Because really, the only, in the ancient times, especially for the Hebrew people in the ancient Near East, they sat on the floors with cushions, with low tables. Culturally speaking, that's probably the norm. And if you've ever sat on the floor... I, I, yeah, hear my cracking. <laughs> if you ever sat on the floor and however your feet is, your foot shows up. The bottom of your foot shows up. And you can see that dirt in the brown if you have dirty feet. And so it is very natural that when you go to a dinner party, you, especially if it's a nicer home, you come in. And it is the servants that wash the feet of the guests who come in. Now, Take that into context. Who washed the feet of the guest? It is the servants, not the homeowners, not the wealthy, servants. Because I want you to get this. The feet is your dirtiest part of your body. It's the stinkiest part of your body. Culturally speaking, for the Easterners, 
it is the lowest and most degrading part of the body. I don't know if the West can understand, but I grew up, you know, my mother and in Korea, we sat on the floors. Um, I, I remember there was just one gathering in, in Korea. We didn't have the furniture in our house, and we were all sitting on the floor, and my sister's leg was stretched out, and I had to just pass along. And we were living in a small house, and I stepped over her leg. My mother freaked. I couldn't understand why. What did I do wrong? I had to just get over. My, her leg was in the way, so I stepped over. She said, no, you do not do that. A young person do not step over an older person. That is disrespectful. Do you understand? It, it, this is still very true in Thailand. When I visited Thailand, you study that culture. They think the lowest form of your foot is the most degrading. And the worst thing you could do is you could point somebody with a foot. Do you understand? That's the most degrading, insulting thing you could do. And so you do to an enemy, you kick them. The worst thing, that's the biggest insult, culturally speaking. Ancient Near Eastern culture, like the Jews, they weren't too different. To wash or to even consider washing of another's foot is degrading job. So only the lowest servants would do it. And then here's Jesus. Who's Jesus? They called him rabbi, respectful teacher. They called him Lord, someone that they would follow. They called him the Christ, Messiah, the anointed one, expecting that he's going to be the next king. Can you imagine? It's someone that they had the most utmost respect and revered, and he's getting down and dirty to wash their feet. Let that soak in. Can you imagine somebody that you know you have the most respect for? Maybe it's your professor, or maybe it was your teacher, maybe someone, hero in your life, Chris Volaton or uh, Bill Johnson. Just think of who is your hero that you just respect with everything. And for that person to just take off their clothes and put a towel around their waist, getting down and get to wash the dirtiest part of your body. They didn't get it. Totally did not get it. Even Simon Peter uh, responded, Lord, you're going to wash my feet? Didn't get it. Peter responds in verse 8. He said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Yeah. I, I would probably respond the same way. There's no way I would let you. I should be washing your feet. You shouldn't be washing my foot, Right? That really is the natural response. But to this, Jesus says, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. He still didn't get it. You know, I, I love Peter. He just says whatever, whether it's right or wrong, he'll just say it, right? He was thinking, well, if you're going to wash because I'm dirty, just not just my hands, my you know, face, Armpit, whatever. He's like, whatever is dirty, Lord, just wash me. Here I am. <laughs> but he wasn't getting it. <laughs> Verse 12, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right for 
So I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. So Peter's thinking, okay, I'm dirty. You, you want to wash me? But that's not a, the point of Jesus. He says, you call me a rabbi, you call me Lord, and that's what I am. What does a rabbi do? He teaches. He's a teacher. What is a Lord? He leads. He goes, you call me a teacher, you call me Lord, you're right. And because I am your teacher and I am your Lord, what I am doing is to show you how to follow and what to do. His actions identified his identity. He says, what you see me do, you follow. I'm teaching you to follow. I'm teaching you what to do. He was setting precedence for how we are to live, how we are to follow. Here's an example. You see me, you follow. Now, again, feet washing was not about making the foot cleaner. The feet washing was teaching them a principle to these disciples who were called to be apostles. He was going to start a church with these 12, and he was teaching them something far deeper than just washing the feet and saying, hey, I want you to wash each other's feet. He wasn't teaching about washing feet. He was teaching about a principle that they weren't getting. Because if you think about this, in that context of that night, here's Judas ready to sell out Jesus on that very last night. Here, here's context of Jesus talking about love, Jesus talking about foot washing, Serving one another, humility, Judas is out betraying him for 30 pieces of silver. You have James and John who want to be on the right and the left hand of Jesus. They are wanting to be in, in leadership, position of authority, position of exaltation to the right and the left of the Christ. They wanted to be honored. And Jesus is teaching them about a kingdom mindset that is so different from what they were expecting. Yeah, Matthew 20, 28, even as a son of man can, uh, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as ransom for many. Jesus was showing them a different kind of kingdom. John 13, 15, for I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you. If you do them. Verse 17 again. If you do these things, blessed are you if you do them. You know, in the past several weeks, in the whole series, we've been talking about blessings of God. I want you to be blessed. The sowing and the reaping in last week's message. I didn't want to preach that message, but I said that message for you to be blessed. Do you understand? It made me uncomfortable. You felt uncomfortable. And you probably didn't even want to talk about it. I get it. I get it, totally get it. But as I said, if I don't teach it, I would be robbing you from your blessings. Because that is a tough message in the church that doesn't want to be talked about. People don't want to hear it, people don't want to talk about it. But if I don't teach the full truth of founding the scriptures, then it is you who's going to be robbed. 
Jesus says, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Meaning it's not enough for you to know it, but if you do them, it is the means, it is the bridge for you to be blessed. And I want you to be blessed. That's my heart motivation in telling you any of these things. Jesus was showing the disciples what to do that they might be blessed. And this is a secret of the kingdom of God. So different than how the world works. And sometimes how the world works and how our logic works to what Jesus shows us is so backwards, it's so illogical that it's almost incomprehensible. A king coming in the form of a servant to wash the feet of his own disciples makes no sense. Could it be, consider, could it be what he was showing was a secret to his kingdom? To an outsider looking in, seeing Jesus, saying, that makes no sense. I don't understand it. But to those on the inside, Obeying and trusting the words of God and saying, I'm willing to do what you, it doesn't make sense to me, but I'm willing to do it. And then getting blessed, experiencing it. If you're on the inside doing it, even though it doesn't make sense, then you still receive the blessing whether you comprehend or not. Did you know that, especially within spirit-filled church, as this, outside looking in does not make sense. Have you guys ever visited a church where a completely different culture, and I, I confess, I, I didn't grow up, well, I didn't grow up in a church. Anyways, I'm going, long story. But sometimes when you go to a church or new place, outside looking in, there's a lot that doesn't make sense until you are the insider. And then you realize, oh, the laughter, oh, there was true joy in it. People talking about getting drunk in the spirit, it's like, what? That makes no sense until you do. Until you actually taste and experience, can you actually understand? But yet you can't be from an outside looking in, trying to make sense of it in in your head. You have to be in the inside receiving. But to be in the inside, you have to take that step to walk in. You can't get it from the outside. Jesus was teaching them this one of the final lessons before he would be killed. <laughs> he spends three years with them. He does ministry. He's, doing, he's preaching the kingdom of God. He's preaching the gospel town to town. He's healing the sick, the lame, the lepers. Miraculous here. Even today, that would be considered miraculous because we still don't have some of the signs to do what Jesus did. Do you understand? I mean, what Jesus did 2,000 years ago would still blow our minds if we saw that. His mission was revealed in that three years. And then, very last hour, before he's betrayed, before he's to be killed, he gives this final lesson in John 13, 34. So the context is, he washed their feet. And then says this, a new command I give to you, that you love one another just as I've loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. 
consider how is this commandment different than the former commandments where he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? In the former commandment, you know, it, which is encapsulated, the entire Old Testament, the Pharisee or the lawyer could come to Jesus and say, what is, you know, the greatest commandment, right? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, right? And then he gets, love your neighbor as yourself. How is that different than this new commandment? I give you, love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. The difference is, before, love God, love others as yourself. Jesus is now saying, now love others as I have loved you. Where Jesus is now the standard. Here's the new commandment I give you. Love others as I have loved you. How did Jesus love you? He died for you. He didn't just love you. He willingly laid down his own life for you. You think washing feet of your enemy is hard to die for them? Jesus is a standard to which he gave this new commandment. He loved even Judas. Think about the person that you can't love or you've ever excused yourself from loving. I can love anybody, Lord, except that person. Think of that person. I can love anyone except the person who betrayed me. I can love anybody except that brother, sister, best friend who betrayed me or stabbed me. I still have that wound in the back. Whoever you think of that comes in your mind, you have excused yourself from saying, I cannot obey Jesus' commandment. We can talk about trust. We can talk about faith. We can talk about all these things. And then I, one thing, can you forgive? Can you love? Even that person. Or we, or we find ourselves, we excuse ourselves from the very commandment of Jesus. He says, it is by this that all will know you are my disciples. If you, right? We say, oh, Lord, I will follow you. We're not, no better than Peter. Jesus, I will follow you. into, the, And then get tested and then... Then we deny. No, no, I can't do that, Jesus. Only super Christians can do that. I can't forgive. Do you realize some of these excuses that we say to ourselves are the very bridge, burn bridges that keeps us from the very means of the blessings that God wants to give? I'm just saying. I want you guys to be blessed. I'm not calling you out. I'm calling you up. I'm calling you into his presence. I'm calling you into the life that he has for you. I'm just saying, these are reminders that I have been challenged in my life because, believe me, I had many betrayals from some friends that I once said were my BFF, best friend, best man, all of the above. But can you pray for them? Can you love them? Ask that God to bless them, even after what they've done to you.
Did you know that we talked about God's mission? If you look at Jesus' mission, very easy to, for us to just focus on the, his words, his miracles, the supernatural things, and say, that's the mission work. Because if we were to send out a mission areas or mission trips, and we, that's what we want, right? For the gospel to be preached and, you know, maybe the kingdom of God would just come and miracles happen. And we want to testify, we'll share testimonies, and that's what we want. God's mission in a nutshell is his people. That's the mission. He came to preach for the people. He healed for the people. For God so loved the world, he came. It is about the people. It's always been about the people. We look at the tangible evidence. We look at the fruit. We look at, you know, things that we are supposed to do. I'm just saying, it's the people. And he says, your mission is love one another by this. All will know that you are my disciples. The moment the church fails to be church is when we stop loving one another. Hallelujah. Thank God because I'm t- teaching you this in a season when we love one another. <laughs> I love you guys. And I know you guys love me because you tell me. And, and I'm so grateful for the seasons because I, I'm in love, right? Uh, you know, I'm in love with you guys. And you guys, are, I, I love this. This is a good season. I'm going to em- embrace this season as much as I can. It's the honeymoon. We're still in the hum- honeymoon, right? Just know that honeymoons, you know, last like a couple years. Two, three years for a lot of couples, right? Six months? Okay. Two. Okay. Maybe it's depending on who you are and how long you've been here. But, okay, we may be in a honeymoon stage with you, with you guys, all right? This is a good season. I, I love this season. But I've been a pastor long enough to know that whether I like or dislike politics, politics happen. Because people play politics. I hate it, but they do. Why? It's just a human relational thing. Even when people don't like it, they act nice. They put the front. And this is being cordial. This is being, um, they think they're being nice about it. So they can't really be honest. So they suppress the things that hurt them, suppress them. And things build up. And then, you know, it's like a bucket. You fill it with love. You, someone bumps into you and it's like, ah, hey, you know, it'd be like Abraham, who's so loving. You bump into him and it's just like he preaches the gospel and he just pours and he starts prophesying. Oh, you bump into me, I will love you and bless you. You know, that, that's the love bucket. But you have a bucket full of your anxiousness and stress and unforgiveness, fill, fill, fill with hurts and pains. Somebody bumps into you, and it's like a complete stranger, a little bump. Oh, I'm sorry, excuse me. And all of a sudden, how dare you bump into me? You dare? Do you know who I am? That's the wrong bucket. It's what we fill into that spills over. It's what we feel. It's what we invest, what we hold back. Disciples did not understand the foot washing. Jesus was revealing something far bigger 
than their comprehension and their cultural norm. Their Eastern culture of respect for the wealthy, for the culture of the positions, those who know the Bible, those who dress well, those who look good on the outer appearance, whatever it is. And Jesus is like, all that doesn't really matter. I, your Christ, will get down and wash your dirt, your stench. I will take what the servants won't do. And I ask you to follow and imitate me. He's showing and revealed the kingdom so different from the world. And he's saying, I know you're in the world, but not be of the world. I know you live in the world, and this is the norm, and that's what you've been used to. But I'm saying, I'm, I'm calling you out into a different. Because if you know them and do them, then you will be blessed. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Blessing Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.